Hi, Faith Promise. Doing well today? I want to say hi to every campus this morning. And uh, we are uh, continuing this series on emotions called Madness. And I want to thank Pastor Chris for this opportunity. Last week he spoke about the emotion of anger. And at the root of an unhealthy expression of anger is the emotion that we're going to talk about today. In fact, at the root of every uh, emotion that's expressed in an unhealthy way is the emotion that you and I are going to talk about today, the emotion of fear. Fear. We're motivated by it. We're protected by it. Or we're paralyzed by it on a daily basis. I don't know about you, but in, in my life, the way that fear attacks me the most is, is through the people that I love the most. The greatest times of fear in my life have all been connected to the people that I love the most, my family. Uh, fear of provision, uh, fear of future, uh, fear of health issues. And it's in those moments that, that uh, the evil one wants to put the, his fangs of fear in me and really rip at me. And I'll never forget the time when Mel and I, my wife Melanie, uh, we call her Mel, we were just married for six months, and I had been the youth pastor of this uh, church in Moore, Oklahoma for a year. The first six months I was single, uh, the second six months I was married. Can I just say the married part was so much better than the single part at this church? I'm just going to say it right there, and uh, if, you, if you're single, go for it, all right? And um, so anyway, incredible time. God was blessing our youth ministry there. We were seeing favor within the church and within the community, and we were growing, and uh, it was just an incredible time of ministry. But through some circumstances, the church suddenly made a shift and went a completely different direction, theologically and in practice. And Mel and I, through our discussion and prayer, we just could not get comfortable with the shift, with the new direction. So one day, the pastor invited me to go for a ride for him. He had to go see someone, and I went with him. And as we're driving back towards the church in his car, we talked about the circumstances that our church was facing. We talked about the shift, the new direction. And I was able to share with him that Mel and I were not... Um, comfortable with this new direction. He says, Kyle, I didn't expect you to be comfortable. I, I, I felt this would be tough for you. But I want you to understand something. If you're going to stay with us, you're going to have to get comfortable with where we're going because this is where we are going. By this time, we had pulled back into the church parking lot. We're sitting in his car, and I said, Pastor, I really love and respect you a lot. But through our prayer and through conversation, we just don't think we'll ever get comfortable with this new direction. So we're going to begin praying and looking for another church to go to. In the next few minutes, he said something to me that just was so liberating. He said, Kyle, we love you and Melanie. We have great respect for you. Thank you for the incredible job you've done here as our youth pastor. And we'd love to keep you, but we understand. But I want you to know this. You are safe here until you find another church to go to. Your job is secure here. Your pay is secure. You don't have to worry about it. You're, you're secure until you find another church to go to. Can you say relief in that moment? I was like, whoo, hallelujah, Jesus. I got out of my car. I got in my, uh, his car and got in my car, drove to our apartment to tell Mel the news. Though we didn't want to leave, we knew that this is not the direction we wanted to go, so we needed to find another church, but we're secure. <sighs> Thank the Lord. That was Wednesday afternoon. On Saturday morning at 9 a.m., there was a knock at our apartment door. I opened the door, and it's our pastor. He's never been to my apartment. <laughs> he asked, can, can I come in? When your senior pastor asks if he can come in, the answer is yes. 
he comes in and sits with Mel and I, and, and after about 45 seconds of chit-chat, he gets to what he came to say. He looked at me and he said, Kyle, tomorrow, Sunday, is your last day. Make sure your office is cleaned out by Sunday evening and leave your key on the desk. Our jaws dropped. We sat in shock. And to the best of my remembrance, I don't even believe we let him out the door. He let himself out. We just sat there in shock. We went from security to unsecurity, from no fear to fear. We ran every emotion. We ran the gamut of emotions that day. Are you with me? But as the evening came, the emotion that pressed on, in on me the most and began just to rip at me was the emotion of fear. For you see, things were different now. For I'd made a, a promise and a commitment to Melanie to, to do my best to provide for her. I'd made a promise to her mom and dad and brother that I would do my best to provide for her. And in less than 24 hours, I would have no job. Late that evening, uh, it was time for bed, and I said, man, I'm going to stay up for a while. I just need to spend some time alone in prayer. And she went to bed, and I went in and sat down on, uh, on the love seat, a brand new love seat, blue, with a brand new couch, a brand new table that we're making payments on. So I felt that material, and, and, and as I felt that material, fear just came in more. I looked out the window, and there's a brand new Ford Mustang that we're making payments on. Fear just coming in. I didn't know what to do. And I just got out what words I could to God. It's very comforting to know that the Scripture says that in those moments, the Holy Spirit prays for us, and we don't know what to say. As God... Uh, I need help. And I opened up the Bible and I began to read. And I promise you, within just a few minutes, the Holy Spirit took the living Word of God and He began to speak right to the need in our lives. The Holy Spirit took the Word of God and began to speak to the fear that was coming against me. And he began to dissipate that fear in that moment. And in place of that fear, he placed the peace of God that passes all understanding. It was an incredible peace. In fact, in the morning uh, when we got up, I shared what had happened with Melanie. And, and the peace of God just engulfed us as a couple. In fact, a week later, we're, we've gone from Moore, Oklahoma to Pennsylvania to interview with a church in one week, and we're interviewing with this church, and we both look at each other and says, this is not where we want to be, but we need a job, so maybe we should say yes, but this is not where we want to be. We don't feel like this is what God has for us, and we said no, the most difficult no of my life to that point. Within 10 days, God did exceedingly abundantly above all that we could ask or think and opened the door of a church in Virginia Beach, Virginia that was beyond our wildest dreams, a church that Mel and I had been to numerous times as college students on a singing team and administered there in Disciple Now weekends. He opened that door and they invited us to come on their team. God brought peace. God brought provision. Now, I could see in your eyes that you'd like to know the passage of Scripture I read that night, wouldn't you? I promise you, before this message is over, I'll give it to you. You're going to have to wait a little bit, though. 
fear. Wow. I love this quote from Paul Tournier. He says, everything that's worthwhile in life is scary. Isn't that true? If it is not fearful, it is not worthwhile. Think about it. I mean, asking someone on a date, fearful. Evidently, there's an epidemic of that with guys at our colleges. I don't know. I've been told that. Lots of fear. Um, You know, deciding your career, deciding where you're going to go to college, deciding if you're going to ask someone to marry you, buying a house, 30 years of payments, major fear. Are you with me? Scary. But everything that's worthwhile in life, having a baby, come on, oh my goodness, scary. That's what makes life great. There's basically two types of fear that we experience. There's healthy fear and there's unhealthy fear. Healthy fear is given to us uh, by God for our protection. Uh, Like I have a fear of being hit by a car, so I'm going to look both ways before I cross the road. All right? However, it does mess me up a little bit when I go to England and I'm looking left and there's no car coming. And I step out and boom, the car is coming from the right side. You've got to look both ways, okay? (laughs) And uh, so... You know, fear of being bit by a poisonous snake. Anyone, can I, can, anyone got that one? So does it matter? You don't wait to identify. You just run. Scream, run, okay? Basic thing you do there, okay? Healthy fears, all right? Uh, the scripture also talks about uh, the healthy fear of a reverence for God, an incredible reverence for God and who he is. Listen to what Solomon says in Ecclesiastes. He says, the conclusion, when all has been heard, is fear God and keep his commandments because this applies to every person. Solomon also said this in Proverbs. It says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of what? And the knowledge of the Holy One's understanding. The fear of the Lord, the reverence of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. This is a healthy fear. This is a healthy fear. Now, unhealthy fears are interesting. There's kind of like two categories of unhealthy fears. First of all, there's unhealthy fears that are unhealthy from the get-go because they go contrary to Scripture, which is truth. An unhealthy fear that is unhealthy from the get-go is like the fear that I will never be loved or the fear that I will never be able to love someone else. Well, that goes contrary to Scripture because God says you are loved. You are loved. So that's an unhealthy fear from the get-go. But there's also fears that uh, start out healthy and they uh, motivate us, they protect us, but if we're not careful, they can move to be unhealthy. And here's, here's how I describe an unhealthy fear, one that moves from healthy to unhealthy. If this fear begins to dominate your life and keeps you from fulfilling God's destiny for your life, then it is moved to an unhealthy fear. Are you tracking with me on that? It's moved from healthy to unhealthy. Because God has a plan, a destiny for your life. Unhealthy fear is the result of Adam and Eve's disobedience in the Garden of Eden. This type of fear uh, keeps us, it, uh, it paralyzes our decision-making processes and keeps us from fulfilling God's destiny for our lives. This type of fear, unhealthy fear, keeps us from living life to the full that Jesus came to give us. This type of fear keeps us from developing deep, meaningful, and life-giving relationships. Listen, unhealthy fear is forged in hell. 
unhealthy fear is standard, um, standard equipment for every demon. And understand this, listen, Satan and every demon are absolutely filled with fear. That's all they know is fear, 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 fear. Tim Timmons says, fear is a prison. A prison. Because we live in a sin-filled world, we, we all experience both healthy and unhealthy fears. We experience unhealthy fears because our sin separates us from the perfect love of God the Father. But when you put your trust in Jesus Christ to be your Savior and you surrender your life to Jesus, Jesus restores us to a, a love relationship with God the Father and it changes everything for the Christian. Listen to what Paul says in 2 Timothy. He says, for God has not given us a spirit of what? Timidity. In some translations say fear. But of power, love, and discipline. God has not given us a spirit of timidity or fear. He's given us a spirit of power. Now, this is not power as we see in, in the world stance of lording over people, but this is power to have victory in your life, power to be an ambassador of Jesus Christ, to live in the gifts that he has given you through the Holy Spirit and love and discipline. God has given these to us. As followers of Christ, when we're tempted by unhealthy fear, we must remember that these fears are not from God. And because of Jesus Christ, we do not have to give in to these fears. Listen to what John says in 1 John 4, 8. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. Isn't that great? No fear in love. Perfect love casts out fear. Because fear involves punishment, and the one who fears is not perfected in love. Now this verse, in its context, is speaking specifically to the fear of eternity. The scripture says that God has put eternity in all of our hearts. And there's a fear of eternity, of where am I going to spend eternity? And then there's a fear, will I be punished in eternity? But Scripture says there's no fear for the Christ follower. The Christ follower need not fear death because Jesus has defeated death. The Christ follower need not fear punishment in eternity because Jesus has taken all of God's punishment on our behalf. Are you thankful for Jesus Christ? Yes. Thankful for him. So this verse, in its context, is speaking to eternity. But the teachings of Jesus in the Gospels, and more specifically in the Sermon on the Mount, instruct us that the perfect love of God not only cast out our unhealthy fears for eternity, but they cast out our unhealthy fears in our present lives. Jesus says that when you give him your life and surrender your life to him, you become united with God in perfect love through Jesus, and you become a citizen of the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God. And listen to this, thought processes in the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven are different than the thought processes of the kingdom of this world. Are, are you with me on that? They're different. So I want you to see what Jesus says to followers of him who are members, members of the kingdom of heaven in Matthew chapter 6. Listen to what he says, for this reason I say to you, 
Do not be worried about your life as to what you will eat or what you will drink, nor your body as to what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air that they do not sow, nor reap, nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not worth much more than they? And who of you, by being worried, can add a single hour to his life? And why are you worried about clothing? Observe how the lilies of the field grow. They do not toil, nor do they spin. Yet I say to you that not even Solomon in all his glory clothed himself like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is alive today and tomorrow is thrown into the furnace, will he not much more clothe you? You of little faith. Do not worry then, saying, what will we eat or what will we drink or, or what will we wear for clothing? For the Gentiles, those separated from God, eagerly seek all these things. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. Now here's the key. But seek first. Here it is. Are you ready? But seek first his what? His kingdom. This means to seek his reign, R-E-I-G-N, to seek his reign first in your life, to allow him to reign as king of kings, lord of lords in your life, and his righteousness. Now, when you became a follower of Jesus Christ, because of Jesus Christ, God sees you as righteous. Isn't that good news? Not because of you, not because of me. He doesn't see me as righteous because of me, but because of Jesus but when we begin to seek first his kingdom, his reign in our lives, then we will begin to live out the righteousness in our life practically that we already possess positionally. Seek first his reign in your life. And then listen, here's the promise. And all these things, what are all these things? What you're going to wear, what you're going to eat, what you're going to drink, all the provisions of life will be added to you. That is a promise from God that you can take to the bank. But listen, you must seek first his reign and his righteousness. Here's the problem for us as followers of Christ. When emotions come, especially the emotion of fear, our first response is so often, how am I going to fix this? What do I need to do to fix this? Is there something I can sell to pay that bill? There's nothing wrong with, with maybe selling something to pay a bill, but if that's your first response, that is wrong because we're to seek first his reign in our life. When the emotion of fear comes, it's imperative that we first seek him. Seek his reign, his righteousness, and then all these things will be added to you. On February 7th, 1987, kneeling at the love seat in our living room, above Matthew chapter 6, verse 25, I wrote these words, claimed, 2787. That's the passage I read. 
You see, this is what Pastor Chris has been talking about through this series. When our emotions begin to swirl, we don't really know if our thoughts are correct. Isn't that true? We, we maybe think we're looking up and we're actually looking down. So when our emotions begin to swirl and attack us and come at us and take control, what Pastor Chris has been saying, we have to P48, Philippians 4, 8. Think about those things that are true and lovely and pure. And where do we find those things? We find them, first of all, in the Word of God. And so in my fear, the Holy Spirit took the Word of God and began to show me how to think in a right way. And in place of fear, he replaced my fear with peace, P48. Listen, there are two primary causes for unhealthy fear in our life. And I want you to think of these as um, two picture frames. Every one of us has a picture frame, these two picture frames. And the picture that you stick in these, in these two frames, they will determine if you live your life with healthy fears, balanced and living life to the full and in the destiny that God has for you, or the pictures will determine if you live a life that's dominated by unhealthy fear that still kills and destroys what God has for you. The first picture is this. How we view God as Father. Think about that for a moment. How do you view God as Father? This is key because when your emotions begin to swirl, this picture will determine if unhealthy fears begin to dominate your life. You see, it is true that most people in life, until they have an experience with God, view God as Father the way they view their earthly father. If you have a good earthly father who's loving, you'll have no problem viewing God as a good father. The opposite is also true. If your earthly father is, is not a good father, it's not present, you will have a difficult time viewing God as a good father. But listen, one of the primary reasons that Jesus came, besides the most primary, which was to be our savior and glorify God, but one of the primary reasons he came was to show us the father. Over and over, they, people would ask him, show us the father. And Jesus would respond the same way each and every time. If you have seen me, you have seen the Father. And he showed us the Father. The Father is good. The Father is, is compassionate. The Father is caring. The Father heals. The Father is all loving. The Father is holy. The Father is powerful. Jesus came to reveal the Father to us. He's a good, good father. A number of years ago, I had the opportunity to go to a youth pastor's conference. And at this conference, there was a lot of speakers. But one speaker, this, the only speaker I remember of this whole conference, was this lady who ran a home for young ladies who had been either emotionally, physically, or sexually abused. She would take 
these young ladies into her home, and she had a team of other ladies who worked with her, and they would just begin to demonstrate the love of Jesus to these young ladies. And in the first week that the ladies came into their home, they would ask every one of them to draw a picture of, of how they viewed God. And because of the circumstances of their life, they would draw these pictures. She says, in every circumstance, every picture was ugly, distorted, and grotesque. That was their view of God. But as God loved these young ladies through this incredible staff, You could see the pictures. They would do them every week, begin to soften. And almost every young lady who came through this home would surrender their life to Jesus and be restored to a, a, a loving relationship with God, their Father. And you could see in the picture the moment that happened. You can line these pictures up, ugly, grotesque, distorted. And over here, oh, that's where they met Jesus. God was now compassionate, caring, Beautiful and perfect focus. You see, I don't know what the circumstances of your life may be, but I know this, the circumstances of our life tend to paint the picture of how we view God. But Jesus came in the flesh to show us a different picture that God is a good father. He's a good father. And if you have never surrendered your life to Jesus, you're missing out on the greatest love relationship of all, the perfect love of God the Father. And it can only be accessed through Jesus. Jesus died on the cross, paid for our sins, rose again so that we can have life. And if today you would surrender your life to Jesus, he will restore you to a perfect relationship with God, not based upon you, but based upon Jesus. And I want to invite you right now to pray this prayer with me. I'm going to ask everyone at every campus to pray this prayer out loud, but if you're praying this for the first time, you're not praying it to me. I can't do anything for you, but you're praying it to God. Let's pray this prayer. Dear Jesus, thank you for loving me. I admit I'm a sinner and that I need a Savior. Thank you for dying in my place and paying for my sins. I repent of my sins and I give you my life. Please forgive me. In Jesus' name, amen. Listen, if you prayed that prayer in any campus for the very first time, I want to encourage you, strongly encourage you, to take a communication card out of the back of the seat in front of you and to fill it out and to mark, I prayed to receive Jesus Christ. And I want you to take that card. And I want you to drop it in the offering box on the way out the doors or take it by the next step table at your campus. You say, well, I don't know if I want to identify myself. Listen, that's unhealthy fear speaking to you. That's what it is. You're no longer a slave to that fear. You fill that card out and you take it out there because we want to help you understand this new relationship you have with God and you must begin to grow in that relationship or it will seem like nothing has happened at all, but God came to live inside of you and he wants to change your view of everything.
Now here's the second picture that affects whether we walk in healthy or in unhealthy fears. Here it is. How we believe God views us. I love this verse from Romans chapter 8, uh, verse 15 from Paul. It says, for you have not received a spirit of slavery leading to fear again, but you have received a spirit of adoption as sons by which we cry out, Abba, Father. I want you to see this verse from the New Living Translation. It says, so you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you have received God's spirit. Christian, if you just prayed that prayer today or if you prayed it before today, you have received God's Spirit. The Holy Spirit lives in you. That is good news. When He adopted you as His own children, now we call Him Abba, Father. This, these two words, Abba, Father, were earth-shattering language for these listeners hearing this. For the Jewish person, they would never call God Father. When the scribes would write scripture, copy scripture, when they got to God's name, Yahweh, they wouldn't even write Yahweh because they, they so revered and reverenced his name, they created another word to put in there. So they would never call God Father. But Paul says, listen, when you come into a relationship with God through Jesus Christ, he's now your Father. And he's not just your Father, but this is a term of endearment. It's Abba, Father. If you were to go to Israel today, you would hear kids say, Abba, Abba. You know what that means? Daddy. It's a picture of a little kid who is so secure in his father's love. And he sees his father and he just wants to run and jump in his arms and say, Daddy, Daddy, Daddy. That's who you are to God. You're his precious child. And he loves you with an unending love. Everything that he has, you're heirs of. And in his love and in his kingdom, there is no unhealthy fear. We've been set free. Back in January of this year, Pastor Chris introduced us to a new word and a new concept in his devotional book, Without. It's the word homologia. And I want us to make a, a homologia over our lives today at every campus. A bold confession. The word means to confess or to profess. And there's something about making confession over our lives. What we speak out loud becomes a reality. Here's the confession. I'm no longer a slave to fear. I am a child of God. Let's say that together. I'm no longer a slave to fear. I am a child of God. Let's say it together. Raise your hands. Let's say it to him. I'm no longer a slave to fear. I am a child of God. One more time. I'm no longer a slave to fear. I am a child 